0: Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross-Culture Church in Houston, Texas.
1: You know, God does really, really wonderful things, and and I love to hear the testimonies from a variety of people because what happens is when God does something, we're supposed to share that with others. Number one, it gives God glory for what He did, and it's a way of thanking Him. But number two, it inspires other people because as that expression goes, what God does for one, he'll do for another. God's not just like random where you don't know, you know, he he does things out of his nature and out of his character. And so when we read testimonies in the Bible, we don't just go, well, God just does random things. We're supposed to learn something about who God is to tap into that, to have faith and trust in that, right? So when someone shares a testimony, what we're doing is we're giving God praise. Hopefully we'll, we'll be in awe of God. Somebody told me one time he's in testimony service and after people give testimonies, he just said, was that a testimony or was it a prayer request? You sound like you really need prayer. But when a, when a testimony comes forth, it should make us be in awe of God and to just go, wow, God's so great and, um, and it should inspire us. Because what has God's done for someone else? He wants to do that kind of thing for us, all right so well share, if you could come up here and share your testimony, what happened?
0: Okay, I was sharing with Pastor Elliot this past week uh, about a miracle that I've experienced and um I'll just give you a little background. I had um, when I was young, I had an accident where I injured my leg, and so my one of my legs is always a little shorter than the other one. And it's just something I learned to live with. It wasn't a big bother to me at the time. And so, um, I, when I was in um, nursing school, one of my nursing instructors said, "Hey, why don't you get this thing called an orthotic? You can um, put it in your shoe. It can help with the leg length discrepancy, and it'll help line up your foot because, as a nurse, you need to, you know, be able to stay on your feet for a while." So I got one of those. I've had it for years and years and years. This is like like probably like 15 years ago. And so um, about two years ago, I had a, another accident, and um, which I had to have surgery on that same leg. And the doctor told me afterwards that, I was going to, my leg was going to be even shorter. I was like, oh, great. But I didn't realize after the accident how much shorter that it was going to be. And so I ended up, it was so much shorter that I had to put another insert in my shoe um, that was significantly more than what I already had. And so with that other insert in my shoe, my foot was almost out of my shoe to walk. And so every every time I went somewhere, it was like I was going to. I was scared to walk fast because I was scared my foot was going to fly out of my shoe. And so um, I, I lived with that for probably a year and a half. So um, since the accident, um, and one day I just got so frustrated with it because it was bothering me at work, and I was dreading going to work. Just even the walk to the park from the parking lot to the hospital just made me like I was frustrated because I couldn't walk fast. I was scared I was going to come out of my shoe. And so um, I. Um, just lost my train of thought oh so then um so i was i was praying about it and i i just i just got one day i just got so frustrated so i um i took the thing out of my shoe to see the extra insert out to see how how well i could walk without it and it was like i was like okay no i can't go without this i have to have this insert in and so at that time I prayed, I was like, God, I, I'm, I, I'm so frustrated with this thing. I don't want it anymore. And, um, when I was in college, I had seen a miracle where somebody's leg grew out and I said, Lord, you did it back then. I, I'm praying God, um, you know, um, I want my leg to grow out. And and that was it. I mean, I was, I, I was more frustrated, I think, than anything, but I think God heard my prayer. I think I was praying from the, the depths of my heart and, and, and God heard it. And so, um a week after that, I was, I had been walking and I was like, this is just just something just didn't feel right. So, um, I stood in the mirror, I had these shoes on and I stood in the mirror and, um, and I was looking, I was like, wow, one knee is like way higher than the other one. That's probably why I'm not. So I said, let me just see. So I, I took that insert out and then my knees were equal and I was like, oh my God. And so I started running around the house, walking and you know, with, I've never for like a year and a half, I've never been able to have my whole foot in the shoe. And so I've been able to walk around with my whole foot in the shoe. <laughs> I'm able to run at work. And, you know, I don't dread going to work anymore. I'm passing people in the parking lot. You know, like, <laughs> like uh, you just don't know this is like a miracle for me because I am able to, you know, God, God grew out my leg and um and I'm so grateful. And I'm telling you, even in Whatever you're going through, just cry out to God because He can definitely do it. I'm telling you. I, I, you know, I thought that you know to get a miracle you had to pray hard and you know and, and you know, fast and all of that. This is just God. I need a. I need you. I, I, um, you know, i help me, God. And and He heard just that little prayer and and He answered. So that's it.
1: Amen. Yes, yeah, Sherry went to the same college I went to, and and uh, I saw miracles there too. She's younger than I am, but uh, we went. We were in the same college in North Carolina, and um, that's so interesting. I I saw miracles, and I they blew me away because I was taught God doesn't do miracles anymore, which isn't biblical at all. It's so funny, uh, but and then when you see them, you go, well, you can't argue with that. And I got a miracle. And and during that time, I mean, I had an, a miracle happen to me, and just shook my world, made me re-examine things. You know, we can be pretty prideful in our opinions until something happens, and then we go, "Well, y'all remember in the Bible where Peter had this opinion about Gentiles, and he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit one day in a vision, and God had him do something." And it's interesting. Peter's experience made him go, "Well, I guess I was I was wrong, right?" about the way he viewed everything which is an interesting thing you know that he had an experience that made him realize what he thought about the way god did things was wrong right god can't if y'all remember the story god came on the gentiles well first of all he didn't think he's supposed to even go with the gentiles and god told him yeah he goes i've never done any don't don't you know god's telling him go on and then and then the holy spirit comes on the Gentiles. It was so different from what they'd all been taught, right? And so, he, so he's going, he looks around, and he goes, well, I guess we ought to baptize them in water because God's baptized them in the Holy Spirit already. If he's accepted them, how can we not? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I saw things that made me, jolt, you know, jolted my thinking, and I, I went back and had to reexamine everything. And you know what, we that's just how we have to be in life because none of us knows everything and sometimes we can get so stuck in our ways. And the big thing is just to be humble before God. Let God keep teaching you. Let God keep instructing you. And uh the, the biggest thing we need is a humble heart and teachability. Because uh God's always wanting to do something new. And I I want to encourage you today, you know, um if your spiritual life is dull, you're not you're not believing God for I'm acting like I've got one of those old-timey mics in my hand. I need to pin it on here so I can wave my hands like I'm fighting bees away. Um, you know, if, if, you, if your relationship with God has grown dull, uh, you know, I, I would encourage you, a lot of times that's a, a, actually an invitation for you to go deeper. That's an invitation for you to come into a greater revelation of something. You know, if you look at the book of um, uh, the Song of Solomon, it's an interesting story. I remember when I was in college, I took a religion class. It wasn't a Christian class by any means. And the guy there was so, you know, he he thought that was the funniest book. How did it end up in the Bible? You know, and um, but really that that book is about um, the, the church or the believer in Christ and something that i One of the parts of that story that has stood out to me very strongly is when, when the, the bridegroom or the, or the husband would knock and then, and then disappear. And so she opens up the door and she, she has to go and find him, you know, and sometimes it might seem like he's not there, but our goal, he, he is, it's like, he wants you to go and go deeper. He wants you to search him out and find him, in whatever dimension you need him. So maybe you're you've had a situation for a long time, like Sherry did, or something else, and you just thought that's just the way things are going to be. You know, um, Sherry, uh, I'm telling you, I've seen God answer prayers in so many different ways. But one thing I'll mention about Sherry's. She was sincere, she really wanted that and she, she just said that unto God. And I, And I would just say something else too about the move of God. When God begins to pour out his spirit, I don't I don't I, I have some theories about this. Um, I won't get into those too much today because I don't have the time for it, but when God pours out his spirit in the earth, well, we know more people get saved, we, we, uh, there, but we call those revivals. You can look in history and say, whoa, God was doing something right then, but also more miracles happen, happen in the early church, and has happened since then. When God pours out his spirit, more miracles begin to happen. Um, some believe there's resistance in the heavenlies, which I understand that. I don't want to get into those thoughts for us to delve into and think about today, but but I just want to say I do believe God's beginning to pour out his holy Spirit and it's a wonderful day we're living in amen, amen. we're living at the beginning of something and you're um, you're the in the beginning of something that's getting I believe I believe is getting ready to happen it's going to be pretty amazing. God shared some things with me over the over my life I'm not I do believe God speaks to us every day if we want it if we seek Him you know we're supposed to get manna from God re- I mean, Jesus is our life. Somehow he should impart something to us every day. Um, but those kind of real strong words, we don't, I don't necessarily get every day, but I have had some where God's really put some things in my heart that I believe clearly are from him. And I believe those things are going to happen before I die. So I just know some powerful things are going to happen. Amen. Sometimes God will share something with you and you think it's going to happen right then. It's so clear, so strong. And I've learned when God speaks something to you, maybe it's going to happen then. Maybe it's going to happen 10 years later or 20 years later. But you hold on to everything, every word of God. Think about Joseph. Joseph got this word. It was a dream, right? But he considered it a word from God. He knew it wasn't a normal dream. He was so excited about that dream. You know, we can have dreams sometimes, and we don't know if God's spoken to us or not. Sometimes he has, and we don't know it. But this dream, Joseph knew God spoke to him. I'm talking about Joseph in the book of Genesis. So, he got this dream. He tells his daddy, his dad doesn't like his dream. He tells his brothers, his brothers don't like his dream. Who do you think you are? How could you dream something like that? Well, I just dreamed it. I didn't ask for the dream. You, you, you see what I'm saying? He had this dream that came from God. He knew it was different. He knew God had communicated to him. And let me say, if God communicated to somebody before the Holy Spirit was poured out, do you not think God would communicate with you? In fact, if we get to it today, the Bible says that was, that's the earmark of the Holy Spirit. Everybody's supposed to be hearing from God who's, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Right? So he gets this dream, and then what happens to Joseph? You know, they hate him for it. They almost kill him. He becomes a slave, and then worse than that, he gets thrown in the dungeon, right? But it says the Word of God purified him while he was in that dungeon. What Word of God? The Word of God wasn't written yet. It's the Word that God spoke to him. The Word that God spoke to him, he held on to it. He knew something was bigger than that jail for him. You, you see what I'm saying? I believe Joseph started out with a lot of pride and God had decided, you know what? I'm, I'm going to use him. I see his heart already, but it's got a lot of junk in there too. You know, sometimes you can have a good heart, but you got junk in there with it. Do y'all know that? You can have a good heart, but there's junk. There's pride. There's unbrokenness. Um, you know what I'm saying? self Self-will. And you don't even realize that it's there. Recently, I had this experience. Man, I'm telling you, I've been saved a long time. And sometimes I look at a breakthrough that I get and I go, wow, God just dealt with this in my life. And then I'll go, man, I am so old and God, I can't believe it took God this long to deal with that in me. And then I will think I am most the most stubborn person. It takes God so long just to do a little bit in me, right? And uh, recently I was talking to this uh, person very used to the Lord. And, um, and as I was talking, I'm going, man, it's just amazing because, uh, you know, there was an obvious godliness and at the same time other things you, where you just could realize he wrestles with stuff in his life at his, at his old age, right? And I'm just going, wow, it's just amazing, God has to break us of things. Do you know what I'm saying? We can have good hearts. You can have a wonderful heart for God, but you need to realize with that good heart you've got, you've got some issues. You've got some stuff God's just going to have to deal with for you to go forward in life and to fulfill the call of God that you got on your life. But Joseph got this word. And you see, he got this word from God. He knew God had spoken to him. You know, people today, oh, you think God talks to you. Oh, you think... God? See, that's what they said to him. You see, people have not had, ever had God talk to them, doesn't believe God can talk to him. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> y'all, y'all see what I mean? Um, so anyway, uh, some people, they don't want to believe God can talk to you. But God can, and God spoke to Joseph. He goes to the prison, and it says, The Word of God purified him when he was in his chains you see he kept holding on to that and he kept saying you know what I'm in a big mess here I've been a slave I don't see anywhere I, any way I can go out I don't see how I'm going to make it I don't see how I'm going to overcome I don't know anybody here there's nobody advocating to, for me there's no uh what do you call it that system of whatever uh, in America, sometimes somebody will step in. There's no uh, Kim Kardashian or whoever's going to notice me and my, my thing and bring it to the president or bring it to the justice. He had nobody. He was a foreigner in a, in a different land. And that different land didn't even have that for its own people, much less for somebody like Joseph. That was a foreigner, right? A slave. Not only a foreigner, but he was a slave foreigner, right? And uh, he's got nothing, but the word of God purified him. You know what that means to me? That means to me when he was at his worst time and when it looked like there is no way, naturally speaking, I'm going to get a breakthrough. He remembered God had told him there's something more than this and he never let go of it in all the depths of his trials. You see, and that word purified him because when he could have gotten bitter, when he could have looked at the circumstances and said, I'm giving up, I'm not going to try this any further. And he ended up going back and he says, but I know God's bigger than this. And I know God's put something in me that's beyond where I am. That word he held on to purified that man. And you know what it did? It ended up preparing him for that day this is an interesting story. The way the Bible says it, one day Joseph goes down. One day all the negative things happened. The season changed. I hate that when that kind of season happens, right? That reminds me of another story with Sherry, the one who shared the testimony this morning. We were in church and she came up to me so happy. And she says, The Holy Spirit shared with me winds of change are coming. (laughs) And she was so happy about it. And I'm telling you, it was a hurricane. And it was definite change. But it was a season that God brought me and many others into of a kind of trial. But you know what? Um, God had an intention behind that. But anyway, what I was just saying there is, In a season, the season can change like that, you see. And in Joseph's season, for him, it changed that way. Boom. One day, he's having fun. He's the most favored one. He's got on his coat of many colors. And he's there, you know, eating his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, looking for his brothers who, you know, they're, they're doing the work, and they're looking at him going, I can't believe that guy. And you know, it's so funny, he's in a, he's in a field and somebody helps him. They, they look at him and they're going, that guy didn't know where he, where he is. I mean, if you read the story, you go, wow, you just look at Joseph. He was so immature, doesn't know very much, doesn't come across like a leader whatsoever. Here he is wandering around trying to find his brothers. But anyway, boom, things change like that. And he gets thrown in, in, in the pit. Then he gets sold as a slave. Then he gets thrown in jail. Anyway, my, my point is, look how that season changed. But what does God do during all uh, that trial? He takes that unprepared man and he trains him in business and what he needed to fulfill his call. Remember, that happened while, during his trial and he purified his heart. He broke him of his pride and of a big self. I believe when he came out, There was no pride. He wasn't like, hey, I want to be the big leader. It's just, I want to fulfill what God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. Right? And he comes out. And just as that season started, boom, so it ended. Boom. One day somebody comes and says, Pharaoh wants to talk to you right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he has to clean up and shave and get ready to talk to Pharaoh. Interesting thing, you know, how God changes things so dramatically. And I just want to say to you this morning, everything might look like it's been one way for a long time. If you've been perceptive, you've been able to look around and see things are changing. Things are changing in the world. Things are changing in our nation Things are changing in the church. You might not have insight on what's coming yet. I hope you're starting to pick up on that. I hope you're disconnected from just the, the God of this world who the Bible says works to deceive the whole world, which is not that's like Revelation 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Works to deceive the whole world. It's, I mean, it's like a coordinated effort he's got, in, got going on. I hope you're disconnected from that and you're connected to this. And don't let the enemy get into your system, into your emotions. Pull out and hear God. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, you'll be led by the wrong spirit. The Bible says he'd try to deceive the elect, even if he could, right? I'm telling you, we all need to be careful. The Bible says be careful. The Bible says be watchful. Amen? You need to be very prayerful about life. I don't believe anybody is going to have a lot of clear insight in every dimension of life they need it unless they're prayerful. But anyway, he go, Joseph goes through all that. He gets popped into a new season. And what I'm trying to say is there's a new season coming into this nation. There's a new season. And praise God, I hope it's not like the hurricane season. I do think that can happen, though. But there's a new season coming to the church world. There's a new season coming to the those of you guys involved with us here. Praise God. There's new things coming. God is sovereignly going to do it. Amen. Yes. And there's new things coming for so many of you. It's an amazing day we're living in. So um, in, in the last few weeks, I've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and the need for that. And we've been talking about light and darkness. And one thing, I mean, you can be the most dull person in the church, and you ought to be able to recognize if you're more than about 12 years old. um, The world's gotten a lot darker in recent history, right? Darker, 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 right? So this darkness has blinded minds. I mean, again, I'm not going to go through it in depth, but we've been talking about this. Look at the, the stupor that's on minds, right? That's, that's a, a force in this world, and there's no doubt whatsoever that it's spiritually empowered. It's absolutely not rational even. There's no rationality behind it. You, know, you see what I'm saying? It's fueled by desires. It's fueled by impulses. It's fueled by wrong emotions. And, and let me just back up and just say this again. You see, the devil always deceives based on our weaknesses. If you've given in to lust, he's going to deceive you there. He's going to make you look like you're going to get something good there. And all it's going to do is put you in bondage, right? If, if, if you've allowed um, the finance area, if you're running after money, what does it say in 1 Timothy? For those that have yearned after that, They've strayed away from the faith. How'd that happen? The devil used that focus to deceive and to bring you in the wrong direction. For those people that have given into bitterness and they've gotten angry and they've allowed this generation, man, they, you, they make you think they're for you and they're not. They just want to lead you. And so they want to make you bitter so that they can lead you. You know, if I can, if I can make someone bitter and I make them feel like I'm going to help them, I'll have power over them. That's a pretty amazing thought. You you know what I'm saying? But, But my point here is the devil looks for a weak area in our lives that we have not submitted to God. It can be pride, pride in our intellect, pride in our knowledge. It can be so many different things. If you're not continually submitting your life to God, if you're not growing in humility, growing in godliness, you are going to be vulnerable to the enemy and the way i look at it is like this there's always an attack satan is always looking at something going "Hmm, let me try this right there i see a little weak area and then "Hmm," it gets triggered and that's at the point when we need to recognize that it's there and go deeper into god and be free from whatever he's trying to point on in our life to pull us into amen do you all see what i mean You see, if you've got lust at the right point, he'll use the right situation when the right woman walks in front of you with the wrong kind of attitude and the wrong mindset. He knows that's the very one that could cause troubles because of how she's wired and how you're wired. Do y'all see what I mean? So, boom, he'll want to press that button. If a certain thing happens in the world and you've got an issue with bitterness, He knows he can use that situation to try to tempt. Oh, it's called an opportune time. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? He's there and the devil tempts him. And Jesus rises up over every temptation. And by the way, where was he tempting him? With needs and feelings that he had. He's hungry. He hadn't eaten. Hey, you you want some bread? That's an example, right? Well, you see, it, it, it says he ends up leaving to come back. At an opportune time, it says, what's an opportune time? It's when the circumstances and the situation is such that he could put something into Jesus. That's what he wanted to try. We know it never worked. But what he did gives us an insight into how he works today. He is looking for an opportune time, something that happened in your life that's going to cause you to be tempted to be bitter. Something that's happened in your life that's gonna stir up something and cause you to yield to lust or to thoughts you shouldn't be giving into. Something that happens that's gonna cause you to react in a way that you shouldn't. I am telling you, the devil's always looking for an opportune time because if you open the door a little bit, he comes in. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. You might be upset at something that happened. You might not understand the need to run away from something that's going on at work and a situation that I am telling you, you need to be able to put up the strong walls of God and be strong in the Lord by recognizing that you're weak in yourself and you've got to do things God's way. You got to humble yourself. You can't just walk around without change. And I'll tell you, the strongest people in God are the ones that are the most broken, the ones who are the most humble. Amen? Amen. The Bible doesn't say, be strong in yourself, in the power of your willpower in your mind. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How do you do that? You have to recognize your own weakness. You've got to give up being strong in yourself. You've got to give up you trying to fix your own problems, and you've got to go god I need you. God, I'm going to trust in you. God, I'm not going that direction. Lord, and you've got to be careful to not allow the enemy to undermine you and your attitudes, your thoughts, or anything ungodly. And I'll tell you today, are you playing around with fire? Are you playing around with sin? Are there issues you know you've got? You think, oh, it's just everybody has issues. No, you better deal with them, or what you'll end up doing is giving the devil a place in your life It might seem like the right thing right now, but I'll tell you down the road, you'll end up paying for it. And our society has paid for this and there's so much darkness because people have yielded more and more to the desires of their flesh, to attitudes of their flesh, to bitterness, to anger of the flesh. And as they've done that, we've allowed more and more darkness to come into the world. And you hear the most crazy things that adults are saying that 10 years ago even would not have even been said. It would have been seen crazy 10 years ago. Today, if you say it's crazy, you might be fined. It's a crazy world we're living in. But I just want to say this. Whenever darkness increases and it looks like the devil's in control, God always has A plan. God never goes, oh, I can't believe there's that much darkness. I don't know what I can do about that. He never does that. What does he do? He looks for a man that will stand in the gap. Now, you would know there's a verse that says he couldn't find one one time, right? And what does he do? He he sends, uh, he, he does that himself, okay? Which we believe that's referring to Christ. But for what the way God generally works in this world is he's looking for those that will stand. What does he do in the days of Elijah? We studied a few weeks ago. Elijah goes, God, I'm the only one left. No, I got 700 reserved, a remnant reserved. And even today, God in this darkness, as it looks like nothing is happening, I tell you, God has a remnant. He's reserved for himself. And what is that remnant doing right now in this darkness they're putting their trust in god they're walking in the midst of darkness prayerfully watchfully they're in their prayer closet and they're crying out to god god turn things around god shine your light god pour out your spirit in the earth again and break the power of this darkness and as they connect with God, they are connecting with the same power that created the whole universe. They're cre- they, they're connecting with the God who's able to do all things, including turn things around in our lives, turn things around in our nation. And I believe God wants to do that. I sure do. Will every man be saved? No, but I tell you one thing: there's going. And I believe God's desire is. To see a great move of God, and it will be amazing when it happens. And I believe we're on we're on the way there, honestly. But one of the greatest needs, and what I believe one of the things that God would have us all pray right now, is God pour out your Spirit. God pour out your Spirit, the Holy Spirit power. Please pay attention to this and think about this. The Holy Spirit power is the only power that can ever break the power of darkness in this world you see we can have a lot of programs in our churches we can have a lot of fun things to do we can have a lot of bible studies and all these things are good we need bible studies you have to have them we have to learn the bible right but let me say this there were bible studies before the outpouring of the holy spirit do you understand what i mean Everything changed when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Everything changed. And Paul says this, I don't want to just preach. This is in 1 Corinthians 2. I don't want to just preach. I don't want to just give out knowledge. I want the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated whenever I minister. What does he mean? He realizes that it's not just about going and getting a good message together. It's not just about getting his points together. It's not just about being articulate. He said, beyond all of that. And by the way, it's not about having a good show. It's not about him saying hey, let me get a good stage team. Man, I need, I need smoke right at this time. I'm not saying that's evil, okay? I'm not. But I'm just saying it's there's got to be more than that. Amen. And he said, I want I have determined to not depend on those other things. And he was a real knowledgeable guy. He goes, I'm not going to depend on my knowledge. I'm going to depend on the Spirit of God to move. So what I really want to emphasize today for a few minutes here is we are going to need to go back to God's original plan. It's the only plan to confront darkness. It's the only thing that's going to do it. It's having whatever we're doing infused with power. It's having the fullness of God in our lives. Now, I, I want y'all just to think about this. The Holy Spirit's poured out on Pentecost. They're, they're, just, they're, they're learning about it. They're learning about the gifts. They, make a, they do some things you know, that, out of ignorance or they do some things out of fleshiness. Fleshiness is still there when the Holy Spirit was moving. You know, and they, so they're having to learn. And then, and then, but just imagine them going, I'd rather go back to not having this anymore. I'd rather not have, let's go back to the way you, you, y'all see what I'm saying? God poured that out. It was an amazing thing. It was meant to be the beginning of something that was going to increase, not something he was wanting to take away. And he never took it away, by the way, Holy Spirit is still here. Amen. But these people were filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, and, and if you know anything about the Bible, some people are like, I, and I know more and more. We have people coming to church service on Sunday. You don't even know the, you know, the, the difference between the, you know, Genesis and Revelation, right? And that's all right. You probably go, yeah. What are you talking about? But um, this is in Acts. Read the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, chapter two is really powerful. Um, but I just want to mention here. We have to have the Holy Spirit power right now, and this is what I believe has been happening. I actually believe it's already beginning a little bit, which has shown me that some people are praying. Personally, I have days when I have I feel the Holy Spirit increase. I feel a weightiness about it. Sometimes that I'm going, wow, this is there's something different about right now. Okay, you see, and I believe this is increasing more and more, but something's happening. Now, I know Sherry was sharing earlier about how, you know, I recently see miracles happen. I got saved near the tail end of the charismatic revival. I guess you are at the very, very end of the charismatic revival. But it was wonderful seeing things like that happen. And the Holy Spirit was everywhere. I mean, um, people from all different kinds of backgrounds uh, were, were wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember we had these meetings. They were called Full Gospel Businessmen International. I don't even know if y'all have heard of it. Any of y'all heard of that? Or a glow? You ever hear of a glow? That was the other side of it for the women. But there was Full Gospel Businessmen International. And They'd have these meetings, and what would happen was you'd have this businessman, and he would have gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's experiencing his experience. His, his you know what happened? And so pe- people would invite all their businessmen friends for a luncheon somewhere nearby, and all these business people would come. He'd share about the Holy Spirit uh, and what happened to him. With all these business people. And then at the end, they'd pray for people, and they'd be, they would be getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You'd have Baptists, Methodists, people from all different kinds of backgrounds, they would come to these meetings and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and they would begin to speak in tongues. And it was just amazing because they'd all grown up in places where that never happened before. And it was just funny. I remember, I mean, those full gospel businessmen people were so, I mean, extreme, right? I just remember some of the funnier things um, that you'd see, you know, there, but it was an exciting time. And I remember, you know, we'd have our times of worship People, I mean, worship could last for hours and hours. And you're not going, oh, I wish this would stop. You'd feel God so strongly in it. You'd feel the waves of the Holy Spirit pulsating through you when you're worshiping. And you're like, oh, God, this is amazing. Prayer meeting was like that. Everybody would come to a prayer meeting. And prayer meeting would be a combination of so many different things happening. It wasn't just praying that the Holy Spirit would be moving. There might be a little teaching. and then, But everybody would be like that. People would start experimenting and learning about the gifts. Hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit's... Telling, showing me to do this. We'll experiment. Let's see if it's God. And you might go, oh, that wasn't the Lord, but thanks, you know, good for trying. Or, hey, that was a great, you know, you you were right on target. And so people were sort of learning these things of the Holy Spirit. And it was an exciting time, you know. And and over the years, I began to, you know, it it looks like that has waned. And, um, you know, in the last few months, maybe years, (laughs) I wondered, God, how are you going to bring that back into the church? Because I know God didn't want us just to disappear. And, you know, the, the way it was done in the past, and we're going to talk about this probably next week because I don't think I'm going to get to it today. But um, the way it was done in the past, you know, the, a whole church would just be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as people come in, they get saved. Boom, they bring him into the things of the Holy Spirit right then. And that's exactly what happened in the Bible. We were going to get into Acts chapter 8. That's exactly what happens there. It's as clear as day. You'd have to be, you know, completely spiritually blind and not be able to see that. It happened in Acts chapter 19. I mean, it's just, it's so in the Bible. But anyway, that's what happened. And then you go, but, but God, what happens when it looks like the whole church world has been dying down in that? And then I realized the remnant has been going deeper. There's going to be an outpouring that is so strong, God is going to supernaturally, I believe, bring people back into that Holy Spirit move again. And I believe what we're going to see is an amazing outpouring of God that's going to change the church. And through the church, again, there are going to be bold men and women that love God so much, they're so filled with His power. They don't care whether they live or die. They just want to serve God and, and they're willing to lay down their lives to do whatever. They're going to be so in love with God, so filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness and courage, And they're going to go out and we're going to see the world impacted by the power of the gospel. The word of God preached with the power of God in it and the power of the words in it. And it's the whole body of Christ that's going to be rising up in this, praying like an army bringing this into being, praying every day. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit moves, man, you think, you think in the days of dryness, the church would pray more. No, so many end up even falling away, getting distracted, wandering off, good-hearted people wandering off. The Bible talks about that and uses that expression. And another expression is, you know, they've lost their steadfastness. But in the times of dryness, that remnant goes down deeper. They pray more, and there's something that comes out out of that that it's like, it's like the river level. You know, when a river level gets really low, guess what you see around everywhere? Think, mess, junk, right? There's dead fish, dead animals, right? But guess what? When the river comes in, when the water rises, boom, it flushes all of that out. And I am telling you, the river's getting ready to rise. It's going to flush all the junk and the stink out of the church. And it's going to cause there to be more prayer than you've ever seen before. The prayer meeting was going to be the place everybody doesn't want to miss. Oh, man, are you going to go to prayer meeting? How could I miss it? I'm going to go on vacation, but I'm going to wait till after prayer meeting. Because I don't want to miss it. Because God does so many things in prayer. Anyway, but right now. Those that, that are hearing the call of God right now are stepping out and just saying, God, I want to pray right now because I see you want to do something. Praise God. And maybe that's you today hearing that. So, Jesus says this in Acts 1.8. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Did you know that's still true today? That is still true today. Oh, a lot of people just cut that verse out won't ever read it anymore. It was one of the most powerful things that was said, it's one of the most powerful things that ever happened. It's a demonstrable power that's going to come upon the one that receives the Holy Spirit power. Amen. That word, when he says power in Greek, is the word dynamon. And if you would think a minute, you'd recognize there's a word we get from that, right? Called dynamite. That's what he's explaining and expressing is going to come upon the believer that the Holy Spirit comes upon. Dynamin, dynamite power. Amen. That's, that's explosive, right? And it's a real experience. It's not just a philosophy. I've shared about the weekend I got saved. Man, um, the first day this girl preached to me about, yeah, you got to give it all to the Lord. And I'm like, Okay. And then the next day, I go to this church meeting, and and I see this miracle, and I get a miracle, and I'm going, I'm just shaking. Oh my! I give my life to the Lord to the again the next day. And then the third day, I go, and this prophetic minister up at the front says something to me about my life, and and then I was like blown away. And then and then he says, he says he asks me a question after he go and while he's still up in the pulpit. Hey, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Looking at me like I know you're not. And I said, as much as I understand it, I am. And he, he laughed kindly, not laughed at me. But he goes, well, no, you're not. And he's like, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I'm telling you, that happened to me months later. I was asking for it, but I'll never forget the night it happened. It was definitely power. Power came upon me. I've been touched by power that wasn't fun. I was telling Sylvia, someone in our church recently, that one time I was in my my uh, store I had and there was a neon sign up in this in there and it's got this little transformer underneath it the neon sign was off I thought it was off but it was actually on it just didn't work and I bet I thought it was cut off and so I was cleaning and I grabbed hold of the wire oh man that thing and thankfully I was standing on the edge of a, of a, what a cabinet to, to clean thankfully because that thing, me, it just grabbed me, and I was shaking, and I fell off, hit the ground, shaking on the ground. I got up, and I was stretched out like this. I got up, and at my other hand, my fingers were burned on my other hand, and right in the middle of my hand, I'm like, whoa! I'm glad I wasn't married yet. Now, who knows what would have happened with that finger on? I mean, with a um, ring on my finger. But anyway, I know what bad power feels like. The day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, power went through my life. It felt amazingly good. It just, and I knew God had touched me. There was no question about it. It was 2 o'clock in the morning at my parents' house, and I'd been asking for the Holy Spirit. I don't know why it came to me that way. It doesn't normally be, it's not like that for most people. Back then, you know, now it's a completely different world. I I could make fun of what happens now. and It is sort of funny, but, you know, there's a lot off base with it in my opinion. But anyway, I go and, you know, most people back then, they just go, they go to church, they'd get hands laid on them, they'd pray, boom, they'd receive the Holy Spirit right there, right? And I go and I knew I hadn't received and I'm just praying, praying, praying. I don't know what happened to me that way. I don't recommend you just thinking you're going to get it the way I did. But I do recommend you praying for it because that's a good thing. And that's what I was doing because I so wanted that Holy Spirit. I wanted it so badly today. Sometimes I'll talk to people today and say, hey, you would like the Holy Spirit. I don't know about that. What? That's the most ridiculous answer I ever heard in my life. What do you mean you don't know if you want the Holy Spirit? They never said to you want it in the Bible. Hey, you can have it too. This is the funniest thing to me. You know, you have Pentecost and all this crazy stuff happens. Some people... They feel better about putting that stuff down, so they were just putting it down. Oh, they're crazy. Oh, look at that crazy thing they're doing. We don't believe in that. And Peter doesn't care about that. He ends up preaching. He goes, and you can have it too. (laughs) You can have it too. This promise is for you. Hey, what we just, you know that craziness? You saw what we've been doing? All that speaking in tongues and all of that? Hey, it's for you too. Man, I tell you, I saw it and i Man, I saw it, and I was just going, hmm. I mean, I was a little like, what in the world is this going on? That was in college. But I'm telling you, I knew there was something to it. And I just kept watching and kept paying attention and kept humbling myself. And guess what? After a while, I began to go, you know what, God, I know this is real. And I began to pray, God, I want it too. God, I want it too. God, I want it too. And the man, when he prophesied over me, he goes something like this. You're a compromiser. You see one thing, and man, that was me. I was the biggest compromiser. I grew up in a church. Every, every summer, you, you go to, we'd, we'd have something that we would call, we're having revival. It doesn't mean God's moving, which is what it ought to mean. It just means some guy's coming, an evangelist is coming to town for a week, and we're going to say we're, we're having revival. So he'd come to town a week every, every year. I don't even know if they still do that, but all Baptist churches used to do that, right? All, all that I knew. So he'd come and he'd be preaching. You'd have to go to church every night that week. I mean, and I went to church every Sunday, most every Wednesday unless I couldn't make it. Anytime those church doors were open, my mom drug me there. Anyway, so, so it preached revival, you know, and we'd all get saved. And about three months later, we were just living back the same way we were living already, right? So somehow that weekend, God was confronting that in my life. And this prophet spoke to me and he says, you're a compromiser. God wants you to stop doing that. And, you know, but I'm going to go against your will. You have to choose to turn from sin. You got to choose to quit being a compromiser. You got to choose to serve me 100%. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with power and use you in a mighty way. And I'll tell you the same thing listening to me today. But you got to choose. You got to choose to turn from your compromising ways turn from trying to get the world to fulfill you, turn from putting the world first and trying to fill yourself up with that first. And if you turn to God, he'll accept you. He'll use you in a mighty way. That's what the man told me. But he said, but you need to turn. And the reason I shared that is because that's what I've been working on in my life for like weeks. I believe it was two or three months. God, I don't want to have this compromise in my heart. God, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to Have this worldliness. I don't want to be, I want to give everything to you. I've been working through my heart. I've been working humility in my life. I've been repenting from anything I know how to repent from. And if I saw it still there, man, I kept working on it like, no, I don't want that. And I remembered that word at 2 o'clock in that morning. And I've been asking God, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. And guess what? 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm just sitting there. I've been praying for hours. In English, God, I want more of you. God, I want the Holy Spirit. And I just said, and like Sherry, I wasn't expecting anything necessarily to happen when I said this. I just said, God, isn't my heart right with you now? Because I was wondering, why did not God baptized me? And I said that. And when I said those words, boom, the power of God came on me. And like, whoa, was amazing. And I never will forget it. I'd have to lose my mind to forget that. It's one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had in my life. I, would, I guess I'll just leave you with this today because where I'm wanting to go to here is I'm wanting to give you this desire and I want to show you biblically how the Holy Spirit was honored and how we have to contend for what was given and how in the Bible when people got saved, they didn't necessarily have this baptism. You see that in Acts 8. They got saved and yet did not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yet that powering. But what did they do? They made sure they got it. Philip was the one preaching. He made sure they got it. He didn't let them just go on without that. And so I want the day to impart something to you that I had imparted to me many years ago. And that's a desire for more. A desire for the power of God to be in your life, for the Holy Spirit to be in you, for the gifts of God to begin to operate in you, where you begin to hear from Him, for the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be in your life at a greater dimension where you're encountering God. I want to put that in you today, that desire. And I want you to begin asking, every one of you, I want you to begin asking God, Lord, I want more of you. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're not even saved yet. But I'm just trusting God everything I say here it's going to come back to you. And I hope there's many of you right now who are going, God, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit. Begin to ask God for more. Begin to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, they knew it. They knew it. It was, it was like, it was a dunamis power. It was something, right? God wants to really touch your life. But not only that, he wants to come into the church world again because the Holy Spirit didn't just have fun with. The Holy Spirit was come to do the work of God. To come to lay your life down. It's going to empower you to, to destroy the works of the devil wherever you go. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you got this because you're not going to get the job done without it. Amen? We're trying too much to get the job done without it. God's calling his church back now. The early church things, that what they prioritize, we need to prioritize. Praise God. Well, Father, I want to thank you for today. Lord, we ask you today, Lord, for more. God, we don't want to just be content where we are. We don't want to try to get filled up with more stuff, filled up with more money, filled up with more prestige, filled up with better better things. God, we want to be filled up with God. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be rich in Christ. We want to be rich in the things of God. Oh, Lord, please help us, God. You know our weaknesses, Lord. You know areas of strongholds, maybe in our minds or hearts. God, we don't want anything in the way. God, we don't want anything between us and you. Lord, please, God, lead us forward. Draw us into new things. And Lord, we pray you fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. God, we pray you'd speak to us. We pray for the dreams and the visions and the experiences that you've intended for those to have who would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray not only on us, but God, we pray in our churches, and our church and in the other churches that are seeking you. God, we pray the Holy Spirit would come and fill up houses of worship. Fill up places where, where people come together to pray and to worship you and to sing songs, God, where people are free from the things of this world. Lord, we pray that power would meet there to be where they are, and that as people come in, they'd fall on their face, go, surely God is here with you. Oh, wow, surely God is real. This is real. God's speaking to me. I I want this too. God, let that happen. God, we also pray, Lord, as all of this, Lord, we're also asking you, God, and Trusting you for an outpouring in our land in this hour. Lord, this is what we're believing for. Lord, we ask this now. Draw us close to you. Help us to run the race. Empower us and strengthen us, God, to not give up, to not be distracted, to not become worldly, to not run after things that are just going to pull our attention and and our focus in the wrong way. Lord, help us now, we pray, and God will serve you. God, strengthen us, empower us. Lord, we'll go wherever you send us. We'll do whatever you want us to do. God, we are yours, but God, just empower us to do it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.